This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. How can you go straight from high school to working in the marketing department at a growing Bitcoin startup? Praxis. That's how. One of today's sponsors is Praxis, and James Walpole, a Praxis alum, did exactly that. He applied to the program right out of high school, decided to defer college for a year. Uh, He had been accepted at a few schools. Jump into Praxis with both feet. He was placed at a company doing Bitcoin uh, startup, a Bitcoin company based in Atlanta, doing uh, all kinds of interesting work, helping small businesses adopt the technology. He loved it. He engaged with his work and the Praxis curriculum and educational experience. He ended up launching a podcast. He started blogging regularly. He started doing digital marketing consulting on the side. In addition to his job, he ended up getting hired on full-time after the program, as so many of our graduates do. Now he's working there while most of his peers have just finished one year of more classrooms under more fluorescent lights and (laughs) cinder blocks filling out more assignments and struggling to make it to class on time, a repeat of high school. He's been out there in the world. He already has the job that he had hoped college would help him get. Zero debt, no wasted time. He's creating the life he wants. You can too. Check it out, discoverpraxis.com. I'm not going to promise you it's easy. I'm not going to promise you you'll get in. It's a tough program. It's competitive. And once you're in, you got to be all in. It's on you to get out of it what you want. But if you show the effort and commitment, I guarantee you the Praxis advisors and coaches will help you create the life that you want. Discoverpraxis.com. Now back to the show. All right, welcome to today's show. Uh, Today, I'm joined by... Declan Wilson, a man who is subpar at everything except golf. At least that's what it says on your uh, <laughs> on your Skype handle. Declan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Isaac. Where, where did that uh, line come from, by the way? It's brilliant. All right. So uh, let's see. My freshman year, after my freshman year of college, I worked on a golf course um, during the summertime. And I, I came up with it during then. Uh, and I told my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, I said, uh, does this make sense? I'm subpar at everything except golf. And she like looked at me and was just really confused. And I was like, because people use subpar to mean, you know, yeah. something good or, or something bad, but it really means something good. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I, I say that to people and, uh, they kind of think about it and it, so it, it obviously worked though. Cause she married you. So yeah, yeah that was it. Very that effective. was the one. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so Declan, I met Declan at a a Praxis meetup in Pittsburgh. This was what, uh, six months ago or something like that. And we just got to chatting and I said, Oh, you know, what brings you here? We kind of chit chatting and he's kind of telling me about, you know, well, I've got, uh, I run the the blog, a millennial type. I thought, Oh, I've seen, I've seen some of your stuff before. And then, you know, I'm, I'm doing some podcasting. I'm working on a book. I've, I've, I'm married. I've got a child. I'm, you know, working, but I'm trying to get into freelancing stuff. And we just got to talking and we, it was just a really fun, interesting conversation. And, uh, I thought, man, I like talking to this guy. Let's record it. So that's why we're here. Does that sound yeah, about right? It's been, 
It sounds about right. Yeah, it's been about, um, man, when was that? I think it was December or January. I don't think it, it might have been sooner than than six months. But uh, yeah, it was. Timelines. I know, I know. <laughs> I think in epochs. <laughs> yeah. like that was the phase when I was really concerned about this or whatever. I don't I don't really remember how long those those times were. Well, and you and you asked me beforehand, we've had this scheduled for a bit and you said, OK, should, you know, do you have some questions for me ahead of time or whatever? And sometimes I do that, but. I, I prefer to do my interviews like a back alley mugging. It's just like all of a sudden you are uh, blindsided. So, well, hopefully you don't beat me up. I'm, I'm quite quite frail. So so let's jump into your story. Give me a little bit of who you are and and how'd you sort of get to where you are now. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, I so like you said, I, I live in Pittsburgh uh, with my wife and my son. Um, I, I went to Pitt, so I've pretty much been living in Pittsburgh my whole, my whole life. Um, I grew up very, um, math and science oriented, uh, very, I guess that's what left brained or right brained. Um, so I, I kind of was on the engineering track from an early, early age and, um, went into college, uh, as an engineer and it was about that time I really got into filmmaking and it was kind of this creative outlet for me um, to kind of tickle that side of the brain versus my math and science one. And uh, I, I got into filmmaking, but as a college student, that's a really expensive hobby. So that kind of faded away into blogging. Uh, and my wife and I, who was my girlfriend during college, uh, we started a blog, a cooking blog called Cooking in College. Mm -hmm. And it was just a way because we just loved cooking and it was just a way to share what we were what we were doing and what we were making. And I, I, I really fell in love with blogging and writing and uh, which was surprising to me because I wasn't uh, like I said, growing up, I wasn't into English or writing classes. I was really math and science. Um, so I, so during college, you know, my formative years, um, I'm kind of faced with this this one side where I, I love I do enjoy engineering and the analytical side and then also this other creative side which was uh, writing and um, so not to get too uh, long in detail here but um, we graduated college you know we couldn't really keep up the cooking blog anymore because I had a full time job and I you know part of the appeal of the cooking blog for for college students is cooking on a budget. And since we had a little bit of income, we weren't eating like were college students anymore. All of a sudden, <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and you're, yeah, that's a good point. Like we felt like it. You know, we we I think we kept it up for almost a year or about six, yeah, six to twelve months after we graduated, and uh, we just felt like imposters. So I started thinking, like, do I want to stop blogging? Do I want to do something else? And uh, so around March of 2014, yep. Um, kind of came up with this idea for, it was originally called The Millennial Type, and it was supposed to be a, a lifestyle blog for, uh, you know, the millennial generation, and um, so I brought on uh, a bunch of other bloggers that I knew and a couple of friends of mine, and we had a, a multi-authored blog, and that was fine for a while, but again, it didn't quite feel right for me because um, I wasn't used to running a multi-author blog, and being in charge of editing and, and all that. So uh, about eight months in, we just weren't getting enough traction, uh, enough views. So I said, hey, we're going to make this, uh, Erica and I, my wife Erica, we're going to take this over ourselves and it's going to be our own blog. So this is, uh, I'm bringing you up to speed, this is uh, about November of 2014. And then, so for the next three to four months, we were just lost. We had no idea 
Um, again, like I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with writing, um, and, uh, what, I, what I wanted the focus of the, the blog to be. And one of the writers who's, uh, actually, uh, one of the writers, uh, for the blog originally, she has her own cooking blog. Um, she said, why don't you just talk about yourself? And, um, I wasn't used to that. Even with the, with the cooking blog, we were just kind of focusing on food and might tell a couple anecdotes, but we didn't really talk about ourselves. So I started doing that and, um, I kind of started talking about my desire to not work a 40 hour job, a 40 hour uh, work week. And I kind of started having that idea like, you know, maybe, maybe I can make that happen because my wife and I had talked about, you know, at the time we were expecting our, our baby and, uh, Henry and we were talking about, well, she's on, she's in pharmacy school, you know, pretty soon she's going to be making money. I won't really need to to work. So maybe there's an opportunity for me to be a stay at home dad. So this was the beginning of last year. And that's when I started really, I think what, what a millennial type is right now is that my, it's, it's almost documenting my journey from being a a full-time employee, a, a dad, a husband, all these things and trying to transition into this, uh, new life, which would be a, uh, you know, one that consists of freelance work, one that consists of, you know, putting my family first versus all my work. So I think when we when we met up, uh, which was earlier, I think it must have been December or January this year, um, you know, I kind of started telling, because I, 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 I don't really talk about it much to, to my work friends and stuff. Uh, you know, they <laughs> hey don't guys, really I'm trying know. to get out of here, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to leave. Um, so I, I kind of was talking to you about it, and that was probably the first time it really felt real, you know, um, because at the, at the time it was just like, I kind of kept it between me, my wife and our couple of, you know, you know, our readers. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's where we are right now. So I am what I would say in transition. So going from that, the 40 hour work week to, to, uh, more self-employment. And I think the thing I said to you, uh, when we first met up was that, you know, there's a lot of people who look back, uh, uh, retrospectively and talk about what they did to get from point A to point B. Um, but I'm kind of doing it right now. I'm, I'm using, you know, I'm very transparent with my audience, uh, about what's working, about what my goals are. Um, and so I'm kind of trying to give them that information as I go along versus, you know, trying to make it as a, as a, as a freelancer or as a consultant or whatever, what have you, or a writer. Uh, and then looking back and trying to explain what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I actually remember in that conversation, I, I've had this idea for a long time of, of what I think would be a really interesting sort of book or, or a look at things, which is, uh, you know, how to build a business stories from people who haven't succeeded yet <laughs> or, yeah. or something to that effect, which is one of the things I like on this podcast is talking to people while they're in the process, you know, once someone becomes uh, notable for some great achievement and then asking them, okay, about your story, how did you get here? What was it? It's that's hugely valuable. That's fun. But I think there's something about capturing it while it's going on and while it's still open-ended, like, is this going to be, you know, this dream that I have, am I going to achieve it? Am I going to have success? What will that look like? There's something really cool about capturing that. And there's a, there's a type of self-knowledge in the moment that's just different. When you look back retrospectively, it's very easy to rewrite your past in like really nice, neat ways, right? Like everyone who succeeds at 
building a business, for example, they'll write a book about, you know, the four principles that they followed. In reality, they probably weren't consciously thinking most of the time, I must follow these four principles. They, they piece that together looking backwards. And that's a really powerful type of knowledge. But there's, it, it can sometimes feel like, well, if I'm going through something and I don't have this really well thought out pattern and system and all these rules for doing things, and maybe there's something wrong with me. But I think it's a lot messier when you're in it but also a lot more exciting. And, and you kind of capture people at these snapshots. Like if you just get someone on a certain day when they're in the middle of trying to achieve something, they're going to tell you a totally different story than if you get them at a different day or if you get them five years down the road. So there's something I like about that kind of sneak peek into something while it is in the process of becoming. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. And actually, um, I, 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 a lot of bloggers that I follow, what I will do is actually look into their archives and look back at some of their earliest, earliest posts. Um, and some of them, I'm thinking, uh, do you know Pla uh, Pat Flynn? Uh, the, yeah, I can't remember anything particular, but the name is ringing a bell. He does the uh, the smart passive income. Yeah, and he okay. did something similar. Yeah, he did something similar on his blog. I went back and, and started reading some of his earlier posts when he was still employed, uh, when he was fired from his job and was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And then now, you know, looking at him now, he's a, he's making you know millions and millions a year. Um, so there's a lot of value in that, in, in kind of that, uh, like you said, a snapshot early on versus instead of looking back. Um, and so I... I, I that's what I'm trying to do with, with my audience. And I, I try to avoid, um, you know, the listicles, like the list articles, like here's 10 things <laughs> that work for me. I keep my, my content as I try to keep it open, but still focus on, on one subject. Um, and it, it seems to be, I'm starting to finally, now that I've narrowed in my focus that this is what I want to share that my, my journey, um, from trying to, um, and I keep it more broad. It, it my, my blog isn't just, you know, going from quitting your job to doing whatever you want. It's more of, hey, you have a dream. I have a dream. Let's go after it. What do we have to do? Um, so I keep it like a, a, at that level. And it's it seems to be resonating. And I've, I've seen, you know, the subscriber count go up. I've seen, you know, my Twitter followers go up, um, which, you know, I, I'm not doing it for those things, but there are definitely indicators that something is going on and that I might be on to something. It's a, it's um, a weird relationship as a mm -hmm. content creator of you really like the best and get the most out of it and enjoy it the most and make the produce the best stuff when you're, when you're doing it, cause you just sort of have to do it. It just has to come out of you or you're, or you're discipline yourself to create for your own purposes and not so much trying to, you know, create to an audience. But then at the same time, when that gets traction, it's very rewarding. It's very fulfilling. It gives you some nice feedback. Um, you can kind of see, okay, this kind of thing really took off. And it's, and it's like, you want to have that, that respect and that appreciation of if you do get an audience, if people do like it and there's something great about that. And I don't ever want to be like, Oh, I don't, I don't want anyone to pay attention because I'm writing for me. But, but if you start to follow that too much, then you're writing. It's just, it's a really weird balance that, that I think, uh, has to be, has to be maintained. Okay. Now I got to ask you about, we got to talk about the word millennial, Declan. I, mm -hmm. I, yeah. Something about this word, when I hear it, it like gives me the, the wheelies. It's like, oh, it's just, it's kind of off putting because it's, it's sort of become <laughs> used as like a, almost an insult, like, oh, millennials, you know, and, and, and so many negative stereotypes come to mind. You're sort of embracing it. Your your blog, millennialtype.com, 
and your forthcoming book is also uh, what is it the or you have the the millennial manifesto is that right your your ebook on a millennial type yeah so um yeah it is the the blog is millennialtype.com i do i wrote a manifesto last year kind of at the start when i really was like okay this is what i want to focus on and that was uh, a millennial manifesto and uh it's really small it's just kind of something that i i give out to email subscribers um, I wrote it. My wife designed it. Um, and then I, my book coming out is called The Millennial Way. So you fully embrace this this term millennial mm-hmm. as a positive thing. What what was there? Was there any thinking behind that decision or uh, was that just sort of like, hey, people know what it means. They already associate it with a certain generation or a certain mindset. What was behind the, the choosing of the name? So the name, my wife actually came up with the name, uh, you know, back in 2014 because it was originally The Millennial Type. And it was uh, a play on words in that, you know, millennials kind of get lumped together, but all of us are kind of different. So uh, I was trying to figure out what type of millennial are you? That's kind of that was supposed to be the focus, Um, as well as it was an online journal. So type, you know, type. You you say no more. You're you're a man after Mm -hmm. my own heart with puns and wordplay. Yes, I love. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) obviously you caught the the, the golfing reference. So. yeah, so she came up with the name and, and we we ran with it. And so when we were kind of at that crossroads of like, what do we do? Um, this isn't working. We changed the name to a millennial type. So it was supposed to just focus on us or me, I guess. My wife uh, is, is in school, so I was the main uh, content provider for it uh, and still to this day. But, um, yeah, so we, we just embraced it. And I've never had, obviously, being a millennial, I'm, I'm biased. Um, I don't view uh, it with the same negative stigma as, as other generations. But originally, originally the blog was supposed to be a, a way to show, hey, look how awesome we are. Look how cool we are. It was supposed to be a pat on the back. And maybe that's why it failed. Um, but my, my book that's coming out, The Millennial Way, um, again, I was, it was going to be another crack at, Hey, let's, let's try to disprove all these, um, negative, uh, things tied to millennials. Uh, and it, it, it actually, uh, took its own course because what I was going to do was I was, uh, interviewing a, a lot of millennials who were doing really cool things with their lives. And so what I was noticing was, um, there was like a pattern between, between these, the subjects that I was interviewing and, and what they were doing. And that's what when it became. I think it was, the the book originally was going to be called "This Millennial Life," um, and like I said, it was going to be a pat on the back for millennials. And so what I noticed was, you know, millennials have a unique way of doing things, uh, and especially when it comes to doing what they want in life. Because, you know, I I do have a full time job. I'm a supply chain analyst. Um, I do love my job. I, uh, you know, I'm not like one of the millennials who are stuck doing. Um, I don't know, putting away, you know, filing when they got um, a, an, an engineering degree or whatever. Um, but I work with a lot of people. Um, hopefully none of them are listening to this. I work with a lot of people who they just don't seem happy. I, you know, I have four been... listeners, by the way, so we should be safe. <laughs> oh, okay. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully one of them I don't work with. But, but I mean, this is, I'm kind of generalizing, but I, I get a sense that a lot of them aren't happy with w- what they're doing, but they just are stuck. You know, they've worked at the same place for 20, 30 years, uh, and they haven't done anything about it. And millennials 
don't act that way, um, or at least the ones I interviewed, uh, or at least there's a growing niche uh, that, you know, say, hey, I don't like my life situation. I'm going to go do something about it. And so that's what the millennial way is, and that's what I map out in my book, uh, is how these millennials go about uh, going from point A to point B, and uh, and especially me, like, because I'm part of this journey. I'm, I'm at point A or I'm between point A and B. I don't know where, um, but I'm, I'm part of it. And so, um, what I hope the book will become is not just a book for millennials to read, but even other generations older or younger, uh, that can look and say, Hey, look at these young kids. They're, they're taking control of their lives, uh, and making something of it. Maybe it's not too late for me to do the Mm -hmm. same. So, I want, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Are you down? You ready for this? It's going oh, to so be a ready. word game because you love, you, you okay. like words. So I'm going to throw out a couple words like that are, that are negative, uh, connotations that people have with the millennial generation. And then I want you to give me the flip side of that word. When I say that attribute or that idea, what is a sort of positive, side of that same attribute that millennials have. So how would you sort of take that what's typically seen as a negative attribute and point out the positive side of it? Make sense? I will, I will do my best. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, millennials are, uh, lazy. Hmm. We, we seem to be lazy, but, um, <laughs> okay. I guess this could be a, a tough one to answer. Uh, cause when I think of lazy, I think of millennials vegging out, you know, watching Netflix, which I, I, my wife and I are totally at fault of, of doing that right before I, I hopped onto the call. We were watching parks and rec on, on Netflix so, while we so ate dinner. So you, you just, it's not lazy. It's, it's meditative <laughs> it, it, yeah. or okay, able yeah. to unplug. Yes. Yes. I think that's what I was getting towards was, um, yeah, we may seem lazy at times or maybe disconnected, um, from, from the outside world, you know, while we while we're on our phones or whatever. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think it's perceived as lazy. Um, but we, a lot of us are really, really busy. Um, like myself, I, I work a full-time job. I'm, you know, I come home and it's all about my son, uh, you know, getting him dinner, getting him bathed, getting him in bed. And then, you know, by around seven, eight o'clock, that's when my, my real work begins. Uh, and I'm, you know, at the computer writing or marketing or, uh, talking to you. Um, so <laughs> when I think of lazy, you know, sitting for an hour or whatever, watching, you know, zoning out to TV, um, that's just my escape. And we can, we can go on and on about the, the escape methods other generations uh, <laughs> use, which might not have been as healthy uh, as watching TV. So. so Okay, so here's another one. Uh, entitled. Mm. Mm, I, okay, that's a good one. Um, g- elaborate a little bit more, like entitled to... Okay, so people um, have, a, have this view that millennials feel entitled. Like they feel like they just deserve things. Like people just kind of owe them, uh, you know, uh, fulfillment and, and happiness. And if they're, if they're not getting something, somebody, somebody should be giving it to them. That, that it, they're, hmm. they're sort of they're deserving of it, if you will. All right, I'll 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 attack this one. Um, I do think I do think we all all are bound uh, for fulfillment and happiness, and that it is possible for for everyone to achieve. Um, I think older generations, as they get older, they might become more cynical um, and see us as uh, in thinking we're entitled to these things. Um, 
but I don't think that's a bad thing to to desire happiness and to desire fulfillment because we I mean we only have this one life uh, and so we need to make the, the most out of it. Um, and when I look at older generations who have wasted away time uh, either at a job that they hate or um, not going after their dreams, um, to me, I think that's just them being um, fearful, fearful of life. Mm. And uh, I don't think millennials are as as fearful of life and are are more uh, ambitious to to uh, seek those things. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I've I've always kind of reacted against the, you know, stop being so discontent or so demanding or you you know you want everything. You want your job to be fulfilling and well paid mm-hmm. and all these other things. And I think the reality is everybody wants that, but some people just give up on it. And mm-hmm. I think if you if you don't have some discontentment, um, you're sort of in a perfect position to be used and abused and sort of herded like <laughs> herded like cattle. And d- discontentment, if it's coupled with optimism, if it, if it's coupled with pessimism, then you're unhappy and you don't believe there's any way to get better. Then you're just depressed. But if it's coupled with optimism, you're discontent. You're really frustrated. Like it shouldn't take this long for this you know this app to download. Like Wi-Fi should be better. The airport TSA line is absurd and dehumanizing. I I won't stand for it. I don't want to be treated this way. That's the source of innovation and improvement. And that kind of restlessness and discontentment is I think one of the most admirable qualities about this generation. Like they want. They know what they want. And they want to go get it. Now, if they just whine about it and say somebody else owes it to me and I'm not willing to put in any work, well, that's a different thing. But then then again, it's not it's not the wanting it that's the problem. You know, if that's the case, it's the unwillingness to put in the work. But the wanting it, the discontentment, one of my favorite my favorite economists, Ludwig von Mises, has he talks about the three preconditions to human action. And the first is discontentment with your present condition and then uh, a, a vision of something better and then a belief in the ability to get there. So to take any action at all. You have to first be discontent with your current situation. Otherwise, there'd be no need to act. If I'm perfectly comfortable sitting in this chair, I have no need to get up. There's got to be something, some sense of discontentment or an ability to get something better. And I think that's a really admirable, admirable quality. All right, I'm going to throw one more word at you. You ready for this one? uh, Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Narcissism. Narcissist. Narcissistic. I'm trying to think of how did I frame, (laughs) how did I frame the other ones? Millennials are, yeah, narcissistic. I, you know, I could see that. And, um, so I, I guess this would stem from, you know, you go on Facebook and you see everyone posting selfies. Um, I would, I would really argue against that one. Um, if you look at Facebook now, um, and the, the average age, um, I mean, we're looking at like my parents, you know, on Facebook (laughs) and they're sharing God knows what, um, but also like if you look at the rise of Snapchat, so maybe they see that as being narcissistic, taking selfies. Um, what they're missing is that w- what's the intent of that? And that is uh, real social interaction. And I think that's what the millennial generation is looking for. And that's why we've moved away from things like Twitter or, or Facebook, because they, they kind of lost that um, authentic uh, interaction. And Snapchat, which I, I'm, I'm loving, by the way, I'm on Snapchat. I still, um, I still can't figure it out. I, I've, I've tried a couple times and I'm like, I mean, it took me forever with Twitter to mm-hmm. understand how it could be valuable to me. And now I get it with Twitter, but I'm Snapchat. I still haven't, it hasn't clicked yet. Yes, it, it is. A, it, it's, it's tough, um, to get started. And I, it, it took me almost like a year to really understand its potential. And now I think I'm starting to get it. Um, but again, like that, that sharing, uh, of what I'm doing with my life, uh, where I'm at, 
Um, it's not, I don't view it as narcissistic, but in a way to connect with other people who are going through the same thing. And since Snapchat's very, you can't upload pictures and, and post it to your story. It, it has to be raw and authentic. That is what we're desiring. And that is what, um, that is why it is becoming one of the fastest growing, uh, social networks. So yeah, narcissistic. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's one of the notions that's just really unfounded. I mean, it can seem like it from the outside, but I think what we're realizing is the potential to interact with more than just, you know, the neighbors down, down the road, like growing up, um, you know, I had my friends in the neighborhood and that was all, that's all I had. Yeah. It was just the friend and that it was, was it. Like and now geography and happenstance <laughs> determined who you could connect with. Exactly. And now I have so many people that I consider really close um, and, and actual friends that I've met through uh, through write, through blogging, through Snapchat, through through all these different means. Um, whereas before, you know, like meeting someone on the Internet. Oh, that's that's creepy. That's <laughs> weird. You know, now it's like, no, we're, we're it's quite accessible. People are normal, just like me. Uh, they might have their quirks just like me. Um, and it's not filtered, you know, like, uh, uh, Instagram or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it, yeah, that one I think is unfounded. Yeah. You know, I almost, I almost wonder if you could take the, you know, the, any, any attribute has a potential negative side and a potential positive side, depending upon the use. So if you take narcissism, maybe the flip side of that is, transparency or openness yes. or yes. willingness to sort of share. And, and and that, and I found something really interesting about that. That does something really cool. If you're kind of open and transparent and sharing, you know, here's a picture of the latest trip I took. Here's a book that I'm reading. Here's a snippet from it on Goodreads. Here's a blog post I wrote about the movie I just saw. Oh, I'm going through this job change. And you're kind of putting this stuff out there. What it does, because anytime you meet a person there's this, there's the small talk phase where you got to kind of have small talk and figure out what's what, and then you can sort of get into the really interesting stuff by being able to share so much openly on the internet. It almost completely cuts through the small talk phase. So when I show up to, uh, an event or, or the meetup we had in Pittsburgh, by the time we meet each other, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen your stuff. People that I've never met in person have been like, Hey, how was your recent trip? I saw you posting about it and we can immediately dive in or like, Hey, what, so did you mean what you said about, you know, consciousness in that blog post or whatever? And you can have these really deep conversations with people that you've never met physically before because they can sort of see the the basics, the surface level stuff and see what you're interested in at any time, a snapshot into your life and vice versa. And so it kind of, it kind of removes all that inefficient, you know, standing around at a cocktail party. So where are you from? And and if you've, if you've met someone online before, when you meet them in person, you can just immediately dive in. There's something kind of cool about that. Yeah. And that's actually how, you know, we, we connected was that, um, I reached out to, uh, Zach Slayback mm -hmm. who works with you guys, um, who's also in Pittsburgh. And I had been reading a lot of his material and actually your material on medium and was really enjoying what you guys were saying. And just by accident, I clicked on his Twitter profile and it says his location was Pittsburgh. Um, so we open up, I opened up that conversation with him. We ended up meeting for, for coffee. And then, uh, I think that day when you were in Pittsburgh, he, he texted me saying, Hey, um, you know, Isaac's going to be in town. We're having a, a practice meetup. Why don't you come down? And I was like, I got nothing else going. I might as well. <laughs> Um, and it was really cool because I knew who you were through your right. I mean, you didn't really know who I was, but um, I, I I knew already, and I knew I knew Zach already. So 
um, it's amazing what the internet and, and these social networks have been able to do um, in that you, can, you cut through the crap. And I hate small talk. I, I hate, you know, like, oh, how's the weather? Engineers are not known for their small talk ability. No, <laughs> no. And um, so, yeah, like when I'm at work, it's tough because I work with a lot of older people. You know, I don't know them outside of work. I don't, you know, I'm not Facebook friends with them. So, you know, it's it's all small talk and uh, it gets old after a while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess, yeah, maybe we're just more transparent and OK with being transparent. Um, and we're OK with that. You know, um, I was just today. I just saw a link and it's probably an older an older article. Let me see here if I've got it right here. Um, yeah, it is. It's a couple of years old from uh, weightbutwhy.com called Why Generation Y Yuppies Are Unhappy. And mm-hmm. it's a nice, interesting post. I, all the content on Wait But Why is, is really great and, and worth checking out. Um, but there's something interesting in there. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of talking about uh, millennials um, and how they're unhappy because essentially he says happiness is reality minus expectations. And they have these expectations that they're just sort of going to automatically have an amazing life and be way better off than their parents, you know, financially. And they're going to, and they're, they're really special rainbows and everyone should think they're special and you know, whatever he kind of gives his, his take on it. But then the, the reality comes. And when you take reality minus expectations, if expectations are greater than reality, then you've got a, a negative, you know, result. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff in there. And I think I, I, I track with most of it, but I kind of, you know, it, it sort of leads you to think, well, therefore you ought to adjust your expectations down. And there's, and there's some value to that. I mean, there's some sense in which, you know, sort of a, a sense of humility or a sense of, Hey, I don't know if this is going to succeed, what I'm trying, whatever there, there's an element of that, but I, I kind of read that and I say, okay, if this is the formula, happiness equals reality minus expectations. And you know, your expectations are, are greater than your reality, then adjust reality up, right? Isn't that the point? I mean, to, to not say, well, let's just lower the expectations, but to say, well, let me get to work on myself and on what's within my control to try to, to try to get the reality, um, up there. But, but, why, why I'm bringing this up, not to just go on a big soapboxy rant, is one of the things that he mentioned, the reason people uh, feel like their reality is beneath their expectations is because of this transparency and everyone sharing everything. People's public image, they, they the people who have sort of the best life are disproportionately sharing more information. And even people whose lives aren't perfect, they tend to share information that frames them in a way that makes their life look better or more glamorous than it is. They put a nice filter on their picture of their beach vacation and say that, you know, they're doing the four hour work week or whatever. And, and maybe, you know, maybe they're really just unemployed and they're at their, you know, mom and dad's uh, vacation cottage because they don't have any money or something. But the, the image comes across and there's this feeling that everyone else is out there living their dreams and now I feel like more of a loser. Have you ever felt or gotten negative feedback from people that say, look, Declan, you're, you're making this blog with all these inspirational things and beautiful photos of people doing yoga on the mountain and all this stuff that, you know, millennials love to blog and share their experience. But aren't you making people who feel already unhappy? Aren't you just making them more unhappy by saying, go fulfill your dreams. You can do it. Why aren't you doing great stuff? You know, start a blog like like, is that, is that somehow making, creating an expectation that they can't live up to? Maybe everyone can't have a blog or maybe everyone can't have a job they love. How do you respond to that line of criticism? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I haven't gotten that 
much I haven't gotten that negative feedback um, but just reading other uh, similar bloggers uh, who might have a bigger audience uh, that are more vocal about those things yeah like like if you go on um, medium right now you know medium really took off in, in 2015 and was pretty much dominated by the the self-help category um, so a lot of people kind of put now like oh this is how you live a happy healthy life um, and a lot of people got angry at that because they were pointing out like life doesn't work out like that. Um, you can't just follow 10 steps and, and expect to, um, live a, uh, perfect life. Um, so, it, and I, I have a feeling, uh, you know, my book's going to be coming out, uh, June 22nd, um, that I might start getting that type of feedback, which is, um, and I actually got a little bit when I, I sent the book out, I sent uh, a couple of sections out to a couple of my readers to help give me feedback. And I forget who it was, but it was, it was something along the lines of, um, you know, not everyone can do this. Not everyone can quit their job and pursue their dream. And, um, you know, I, I understand that. Like, I understand the reality that not everyone is, is going to do that. But as we talked about earlier, um, the desire to do that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so in, in my book, the millennial way, um, I don't want to call them steps, but I mean, they're, they're called steps. So I, the, the subtitle is step up, step out and step forward. Um, and these are more of, I guess, phases in, in your journey. Um, and at any time, at any time in your life, you can always step up and, and look at... You, you should the, have titled it Three Secrets They're Trying to Hide From You, You Won't Believe. <laughs> you know, that would have been more millennial-like. <laughs> yeah, the clickbait. Yeah. No, I, I, I try to avoid the, I try to avoid all clickbait. Um, I'm in it for the long run, so I'm trying not to sell out too early. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I, I understand that that message that everyone who reads my book, you know, are they all going to quit their job and, and chase after dream? Probably, probably not. But at least it will get them thinking um, about what they want out of life. And if they do that, then then I've done my job. Um, and I and I hope by uh, showing and telling the stories of uh, these five other millennials um, that they'll be inspired to to maybe even just step up and and start you know feeling. Uh, uh, feeling what it's like to go after your dream. Um, so I, I actually forget where we're going with the, with this original. Oh yeah, uh, the, is, point. It, is it dangerous? Does it make people feel bad that they don't have a glamorous life by, you know, sharing? Oh, you can go for your dreams, and and if people don't don't relate to that, do they feel like, well, geez, my life's pretty lame? Yeah, no, that that's a good point. Um, so I try to avoid that. Um you know, go after your dream. And once you achieve it, you're going to be, you're going to be happy. And that's all you need for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, in my book, I talk about success or that destination that you're seeking. And some people like to think of it as maybe like looking at a mountain off in the distance and getting from here to that mountain. I think of success more as a horizon. So you travel towards it. Uh, and eventually you'll get to that horizon or what was once the horizon. Um, but still stretched out in front of you is another horizon. Um, and so my message that I try to get across is don't just look at the horizon or just look at the, the destination, but move towards it and appreciate the journey. You know, focus on the journey, the, the path right in front of you. 
and appreciate that versus always keeping your head up and looking at the at the destination because you'll never be you'll never be satisfied uh, with w- when you finally get there. Mm. Um, so that I, I try to be realist, uh, realistic with my, with that point in that you know even me like for example. Um, I hope to one day be able to quit my job and, you know, have my own little consulting business, uh, hopefully, you know, have a big enough audience that I can make, you know, a, a decent income with writing. Um, but what happens when I get there? Like, what, what if I find out I'm like, oh, I want, I still want more. I'm still not happy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what will, what will come when I, if, if I quit my job, I'm sure it, will, it won't be as fulfilling as I think of it right <laughs> now. So that's why right now, I'm appreciating the journey. I'm appreciating the struggle. Um, I'm appreciating, you know, spending late nights, you know, working uh, on writing a blog post or writing a newsletter. I'm appreciating, you know, putting in the time and effort to to uh, spend with my son Henry, um, because you know this is all we get. This is all we get yeah. is that journey. Um, so. Yeah, I try to be realistic with that. Yeah, with yeah that, you know, I think it's it's a great reminder too of just how valuable self knowledge and self honesty are because mm-hmm. if 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 you're looking at something like a, a millennial type and following the content about you know hey don't be afraid go for it try to build the life you want don't be don't be content with something less if you take that as build the life you want okay now i have to figure out what life it is that i actually want then it's hugely valuable and you, you got to sort of figure that out for you. Maybe maybe you're somebody who can be perfectly happy working a job you don't love, but it gives you the freedom to pursue things you love. Or maybe you won't. But you've you got to decide that for yourself. And the, the takeaway is to figure out what resonates with you and go after it. But if you take that as sort of a purely imitative message, like, oh, this blogger is writing about how he quit his job and became a freelancer. And now he travels around the world. I got to feel bad. I have to go after that life. I think that's the danger. If people just start to say, oh, okay, whatever this person's writing about, I have to go after that life. And, and the whole point is, no, you don't have to go after that life. You have to find your life. You're, it's no better to go chasing someone else's dream than it is to not chase a dream at all. You know, you've got, you've got to find your own. Um, and sometimes it's different than you think in, in a, a um, book that that I edited called Why Haven't You Read This Book? One of the chapters is a, a couple, some friends of mine, and it was their dream to just travel around the world by motorcycle for like a year. And they went and did it. They quit their jobs. They made it happen. And after like halfway through the trip, they're like, this actually isn't what we thought it is. This isn't what we wanted. So we're not going to do it anymore. Uh, but yeah. they didn't, they would never have found that out without doing it. So, so they had to kind of figure it out by trying things but the, if they would have said, well, this is what we went to do, so now we have to do it. Now we're stuck chasing what is essentially somebody else's dream. We thought it was for us, but it's not. You know, they would have been no better off. I mean, the minute they learned it, they, they said, okay, this isn't for us. Let's find something that is. But I think it's, it's really important. There's a fine line there between being inspired by other people's examples to go do your own thing, just like they did their own thing, or, and being pressured by other people's examples to go copy what they did. And I think that's, that's a, a very important, um, you know, distinction. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to say here, you know, this is what I'm doing. You should follow along. It works for me. It's more or less, here's the lessons I'm learning along the way. And I hope you can apply it to, to your life. I'm glad by the way, cause journey. I don't, I don't think I could be a, an engineer. Um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't do very well. You know, I, I don't do as much, uh, engineering work as my 
you know, degree says. It's more of uh, I'm a glorified report maker, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Uh, we have a whole other conversation uh, yeah. on the the expectations of uh, of what a degree is going to get you versus the reality. Okay, so it's millennial type dot com and mm-hmm. where should listeners go if they want to is your book ready for pre-order or not quite mm-hmm. there yet yeah it's ready for pre-order i think uh i had it set up um, this week actually so you can go to uh you can just type in millennial dot com slash pre-order and that will uh, that will take you to the the amazon page um and it's up there for pre-order before the the launch on uh june 22nd um and uh, I, I also have a, a website I'm I'm building for it. I don't. When's this episode going to be released? Do you think? Oh, this will be like uh, late April. Okay, I think by then I should I should have a website. So um, it, it's uh, themillennialway.millennialtype.com. So I just added in the the subdomain there. So uh, you can either go there or just. If you just go to my blog, there's a the tab up at the top of, of the menu that says um, ebook, so you can just go there as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you can find find it. So excellent. Hey, Declan, this has been absolutely awesome. I love that you are in the process of getting to the kind of lifestyle that you want, or at least that you think you want. And maybe when you get there, it will change. And you're not, you're not fully there yet. There's just something really cool about that, that you're, you're working in a job that you don't hate, but it's, you, you want to move into something else and you're in the process of making that move. And this is exciting because we can check back in down the road and see how uh, progress has come. I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Again, millennialtype.com. Check it out. Declan, look forward to talking with you again. All right. Thanks, Isaac.